0: This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of avascular necrosis of the shoulder from the shoulder and elbow section on orthobullets.com. Let's start this episode with a quick summary. Avascular necrosis of the shoulder is a condition characterized by interruption of blood supply to the humeral head, which may lead to humeral head sclerosis and subchondral collapse. Diagnosis is made radiographically with orthogonal radiographs of the shoulder in moderate slash late disease. MRI may be needed for detection of early or subclinical avascular necrosis. Treatment may be observation for very early and minimally symptomatic disease. Surgical management is indicated for progressive symptoms in the setting of moderate to advanced disease. Now let's get into the episode. Starting with etiology, let's talk about the pathophysiology of avascular necrosis of the shoulder. So in terms of pathoanatomy, there is decreased blood supply to the humeral head leading to death of cells in the bony matrix. The bone is resorbed and remodeled, causing subchondral bone collapse and may lead to joint incongruity and arthritic changes. The etiology of avascular necrosis of the shoulder is similar to avascular necrosis of the hip. And to remember the different etiologies of avascular necrosis of the shoulder, remember the aseptic mnemonic, that is A-S-E-P-T-I-C, where the A stands for alcohol and AIDS. The S stands for steroids, which is the most common etiology. The S also stands for sickle cell anemia and systemic lupus erythematosus. The E stands for Erlenmeyer-Flask, which refers to Gaucher's disease. The P stands for pancreatitis. The T stands for trauma. The I stands for idiopathic slash infection. And the C stands for Quezon's disease, otherwise known as the bends. Avascular necrosis of the shoulder may be atraumatic or post-traumatic. With respect to post-traumatic, remember that four-part fracture dislocations approach 100% avascular necrosis. Displaced four-part fractures approach approximately 45% avascular necrosis, valgus-impacted four-part fractures approach approximately 11% avascular necrosis, and three-part fractures approach approximately 14% avascular necrosis. Now let's go over some relevant anatomy specifically the blood supply to the humeral head, which is the ascending branch of the anterior humeral circumflex artery and arcuate artery, as well as the posterior humeral circumflex artery. So the ascending branch of the anterior humeral circumflex artery and the arcuate artery provide blood supply to the humeral head. The vessel runs parallel to the lateral aspect of the tendon of the long head of the biceps in the bicipital groove. Beware not to injure this when plating the proximal humerus fractures. The arcuate artery is the interosseous continuation of the ascending branch of the anterior humeral circumflex artery and penetrates the bone of the humeral head. Keep in mind that the ascending branch of the anterior humeral circumflex artery and the arcuate artery provide 35% of the blood supply to the humeral head. As far as the posterior humeral circumflex artery, the most current literature supports this as providing the main blood supply to the humeral head. Specifically, it provides 65% of the blood supply. Moving on to the classification of avascular necrosis of the shoulder, the one to know is the CRUIS classification, which has five stages. So let's go over the different stages with respect to radiographic findings and the respective treatment. So stage 1 corresponds to a normal x-ray, however there will be changes on MRI only. The treatment will be a core decompression. Stage 2 corresponds to sclerosis on radiographs, which will manifest as wedged and or mottled, and you may also see osteopenia. The treatment of stage two will be a core decompression. Stage three corresponds to a crescent sign indicating a subcontral fracture. Treatment will be resurfacing or hemiarthroplasty. Stage four corresponds to flattening and collapse and treatment will be resurfacing or hemiarthroplasty. Finally, stage five corresponds to degenerative changes which extend to the glenoid. Treatment will be total shoulder arthroplasty. Moving on to the presentation of avascular necrosis of the shoulder, symptoms include insidious onset of shoulder pain, often without a clear inciting event. These patients may also have pain, loss of motion, crepitus, and weakness. Physical exam will reveal limited range of motion, crepitus, as well as weakness of the rotator cuff and deltoid muscles. Moving on to imaging, recommended views on radiographs include five views of the shoulder, which is shown best in a neutral rotation AP view. In terms of findings, you may see no findings on radiographs at the onset of the disease process. An osteolytic lesion that develops on radiographs demonstrates resorption of subchondral necrosis. The most common initial site is the superior middle portion of the humeral head. A crescent sign demonstrates subchondral collapse and may progress to depression of the articular surface and consequent arthritic changes. An MRI is the preferred imaging modality in the setting of avascular necrosis of the shoulder and it has approximately 100% sensitivity in detection. An MRI will demonstrate edema at the site of subchondral sclerosis. Treatment of avascular necrosis of the shoulder can be non-operative or operative. Non-operative management includes pain medications, activity modification, and physical therapy, which is indicated as the first line of treatment. The technique for physical therapy will be restricting overhead activity and manual labor. Operative options include core decompression plus arthroscopy to confirm the integrity of the cartilage. This is indicated for early disease that is pre-collapse cruis stages 1 and stage 2. Humeral head surfacing is another operative option which is indicated for stage 3 disease with focal chondral defects and sufficient remaining epiphyseal bone stock for fixation. Hemiarthroplasty is indicated for moderate disease which corresponds to cruis stage 3 and 4. Finally, total shoulder arthroplasty is indicated for advanced stages like a cruis stage 5. The prognosis of avascular necrosis of the shoulder is related to the stage of disease. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic might be tested. First question. A 45-year-old man complains of chronic right shoulder pain. He has a history of chronic steroid use because of asthma. He recently completed a course of physical therapy and has given up his job as a laborer in favor of a desk job. Examination reveals diminished shoulder abduction strength. A radiograph of his shoulder shows a quote snow cap" sign indicating sclerosis and preservation of the head contour and absence of subchondral collapse. A T1-weighted MRI and a T2-weighted fat-saturated MRI shows a variegated pattern of osteonecrosis but with preservation of normal head contour. Which of the following surgical treatment options is the most appropriate? And the choices are 1. Core decompression, 2. Hemiarthroplasty, 3. Reverse shoulder arthroplasty, 4. Shoulder resurfacing, and 5. Total shoulder arthroplasty. The correct answer to this question is 1. Core decompression. So this patient has early stage avascular necrosis of the humeral head without subchondral collapse slash flattening, likely related to chronic steroid use. Core decompression is indicated. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer two, hemiarthroplasty is incorrect as hemiarthroplasty is an option for stage three to four disease, which corresponds to head collapse, not involving the glenoid. Answer three, reverse shoulder arthroplasty is incorrect as reverse shoulder arthroplasty is not indicated in the presence of an intact rotator cuff. Answer 4, shoulder resurfacing is incorrect, as resurfacing may be performed for focal stage 3 defects, but is not appropriate for large defects. It is not appropriate if there is global humeral head involvement. Finally, answer 5, total shoulder arthroplasty is incorrect, as total shoulder arthroplasty is only indicated when the glenoid is involved, for example, a cruis stage 5. To quickly review, treatment of humeral head avascular necrosis is dependent on the cruis stage. Pre-collapse stages like stage 1 and stage 2 may be treated by core decompression and joint preservation. Hemiarthroplasty is used for stage 3 and stage 4 disease. Total shoulder arthroplasty is used for stage 5 disease. Resurfacing may be used for stage 3 disease with focal chondral defects and sufficient remaining epiphyseal bone stock for fixation. Harold et al. reviewed humeral head avascular necrosis. They advocate attempting core decompression and arthroscopy for stage 3 disease and then tailoring resurfacing or replacement depending on the defect size. Smith et al. reviewed 31 hemiarthroplasties for steroid-related avascular necrosis, 6 that were stage 3, 16 that were stage 4, and 5 that were stage 5. Unsatisfactory results were found in 45% of cases. This was associated with glenoid cartilage wear over time. However, they still believed hemiarthroplasty was appropriate for younger active patients with stage 3 or stage 4 disease. Laporte et al. performed core decompression for various stages of avascular necrosis. Results were successful in 94%, 88%, 70%, and 14% of ficat Arlet stages 1, 2, 3, and 4 humeral head avascular necrosis respectively, and more successful for non-steroid-related cases compared with steroid-related cases. They recommend this treatment for stages 1 to 3. Moving on to the next question. A 37 year old severe asthmatic has been taking daily corticosteroids for 20 years and now reports 4 months of worsening left shoulder pain. He is unable to complete a full day of work due to the pain. A radiograph demonstrates avascular necrosis of the humeral head and early collapse of the articular surface. Which of the following describes the pathogenesis behind this disease process? And the choices are 1. Cell-mediated immune response inciting synovial hypertrophy and mononuclear destruction of cartilage. 2. humoral immune response following a systemic infection in an HLA-B27 positive individual. 3. Hyperuricemia-induced crystalline deposition within the synovial fluid. 4. Cellular death of the subchondral bone following an interruption in the vascular supply and 5, bacterial seeding of the joint inducing polymorphonuclear cell destruction of the cartilage. The correct answer to this question is 4, cellular death of the subchondral bone following an interruption in the vascular supply. So the radiograph described demonstrates avascular necrosis of the humeral head and early collapse of the articular surface. Patients with radiographic evidence of proximal humerus avascular necrosis should also have hip radiographs performed as part of their evaluation. Cruis reviews 95 patients with steroid-induced avascular necrosis of the humeral head, reporting success with both conservative and arthroplasty treatment. Lancelata et al. reviews 65 shoulders with avascular necrosis of the humeral head, reporting mixed results with 35 shoulders requiring arthroplasty after failure of conservative therapies. Surgical drilling and decompression did not alter the progression of disease. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, cell-mediated immune response inciting synovial hypertrophy and mononuclear destruction of cartilage is incorrect as this describes rheumatoid arthritis. Answer 2, humoral immune response following a systemic infection in an HLA-B27 positive individual is incorrect as this describes Ryder syndrome. Answer three, hyperuricemia-induced crystalline deposition within the synovial fluid is incorrect as this describes gout. And finally, answer five, bacterial seeding of the joint inducing polymorphonuclear cell destruction of the cartilage is incorrect as this describes septic arthritis. And moving on to the final question, a 39-year-old female presents to your office with a persistently painful right shoulder and limited motion despite four months of physical therapy and a corticosteroid injection by her PCP. On exam there's 20 degrees of internal rotation and 50 degrees of external rotation with pain noted throughout the arc. She has full and symmetric rotator cuff strength with no tenderness over the AC joint. Standard shoulder radiographs depict collapse of the chondral surface of the humeral head and loss of sphericity. A fluid sensitive coronal MRI shows the complete separation of the ischemic osteochondral fragment with edema within the metaphysis which is very common and normal. Which of the following procedures would be most appropriate for this patient? And the choices are 1. Comprehensive arthroscopic release. 2. Percutaneous core decompression. 3. Resurfacing hemiarthroplasty. 4. Anatomic total shoulder arthroplasty. And 5. Reverse total shoulder arthroplasty. The correct answer to this question is 3. Resurfacing hemiarthroplasty so this patient has humeral head avascular necrosis, which is not improved with conservative measures. Given the extent of chondral involvement and loss of sphericity, a resurfacing hemiarthroplasty would be of most benefit and requires the least bone removal. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, comprehensive arthroscopic release is incorrect, as arthroscopic management would be unlikely to yield any sustained benefit as the avascular necrosis will likely continue to progress. Answer 2, percutaneous core decompression is incorrect, as the role of core decompression in pre-collapse stages of avascular necrosis is highly debated, but is equivocally contraindicated in post-collapse stages. Answer 4, anatomic total shoulder arthroplasty, and answer 5, reverse total shoulder arthroplasty are both incorrect, as the glenoid in this patient shows little involvement, and placing a glenoid component carries the risk for loosening, which this patient's age puts her at very high risk for. To quickly review, humeral head avascular necrosis is a common condition among sickle cell individuals, those on chronic steroids, and or those with a long history of alcohol dependence. Treatment is dictated by the degree of symptoms and chondral surface involvement. Once the cartilage has collapsed and symptoms become debilitating, arthroplasty should be considered. While traditional stemmed hemiarthroplasties with or without glenoid arthroplasty have been used, stemless designs are becoming more in favor with data showing reasonable survivability with preservation of the metaphyseal bone stock. Harold et al. provided a review of joint preservation options for humeral avascular necrosis. In pre-collapse stages of avascular necrosis, core decompression can be performed in isolation or with arthroscopic assistance. Additionally, bone grafting may also be added to the subchondral void left following decompression. In post-collapse stages of avascular necrosis, arthroplasty should be pursued with resurfacing being an optimal option if the underlying epiphyseal bone is sufficient. Levy and Copeland described an early series of 285 cementless humeral resurfacing arthroplasties. While the indications for these varied, they showed exceptional improvement in range of motion, pain relief, and patient-reported outcomes. This data helped spur interest in humeral resurfacing as opposed to implants requiring more bone removal. Howie et al. described a more recent case series of stemless humeral resurfacing using the Arthrex Eclipse implant system. At an average follow-up of nine years, they showed significant improvements in constant score, strength, and range of motion without instances of loosening or implant failures. This series shows promising results at intermediate follow-up, but long-term data is still needed please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you aren't already, be sure to follow OrthoBullets on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow right here on the OrthoBullets podcast.